Ben, I tried to put it in perspective, but baseball is kind of a big deal around here in Mississippi, and we're going to have two regionals 90 miles apart. We're going to have a little fun this weekend. Well, I tell you, I was listening. You did a wonderful job, and you're right. I mean, when you talk about college baseball, you get them 90 miles apart, you know, Mississippi State, of course, and Ole Miss, it's going to be fantastic. Remember, Mississippi's one of the first states that opened up to full capacity really before anybody else did, and we know what baseball means to the state of Mississippi and the following, of course, that Mississippi State has, the following that Ole Miss has. You you talked about Southern Miss. I love Coach Barry, too, as well. Mm-hmm. He, he's an awesome dude and always has a wonderful, wonderful program, you know, and so um, – it's going to be some good baseball. It's going to be so. I'll be watching from a distance from my house here. Unfortunately, we're not traveling. Nobody's traveling to the regionals. Uh, we'll all be calling from our house here, but I'll be I'll be following as best as I can anyway. Sure. Well, and I guess that's just kind of par for the course the way things have kind of been. But but given that you'll be back at home on the headset this week, I bet you had a ball being in Hoover last week in the booth and at the ballpark. No, it was fun. It was fun just to see everybody, you know, and get out again and have some normalcy again. Uh, I know we're moving hard in that direction. I'm, I'm hope there, there's hope that we will travel for the Super Regionals and actually be on site because it's such a big deal, you know, for us to be there. You, you kind of feed off the energy of the crowd. You feed off the environment. You can see everything. It's tough, you know, when you're sitting in a, in a closet or sitting in your office calling a ball game. It's, it, for my case this weekend, the way up in Eugene, Oregon is what the regional I'll be calling. It's a long way from back home Rouge, Louisiana, I'm going to tell you that. And so it's different, but it is where it is, and, and I'm hoping mm. it gets better over time, and, and I'm looking forward to calling it region. All right. So, um, Ben, when you look at the field, um, you know, and I know it's a, you know, even for a diehard baseball fan, it's it's hard to consume and, and be ready to preview 64 teams. But, you know, and I know you keep up with it. You look at you got three teams coming in there to Starkville for that regional that, you know, there's there's not a lot of big names, okay? It's good baseball. Sanford, a really good four seed. You got VCU in there who's won 20, 21 games in a row. And Campbell, the fight in Campbell's, who hit a bunch of home runs this year. They hit the ball well. But, you know, when you saw that field for, for State and that Starkville Regional, what did you think about it? Well, you're right. The, the name, first of all, the names don't jump at you, as you mentioned. You know, yeah. you knew about VCU. You knew they were a hot team. They finished really strong. Uh, and they're a solid team. Sanford, I don't know that much about, and, and of course, Campbell as well, you know. So when I saw it on, on paper, when you look at the names, you look at it and you go, oh, okay, Mississippi State's going to be hosting a, a Super Regional, too. That, that's what jumped at you right away. But, you know, look, you know this as well as I do. When you get to postseason play, man, anything mm-hmm. can happen. I'm going to tell you, every one of these teams have a real dude or two on the bump, guys. It can mm-hmm. shut you out. And I've always said this, the first game of the season is always the toughest. The first SEC game of the year is always the toughest, and certainly the first NCAA tournament game for each one of these teams. We see a 1-4 upset all the time. It happens all the time, and so it's difficult. You know, you're trying to mix and match your pitchers. If you're a number one, you're trying to get by with maybe your number two or number three guy that stays your number one for when you do play the two or three seed, and it can backfire on you sometimes, you know, and so these are going to be difficult games when you look at that Starkville region. The names are not eye-popping to you, but you know – that they can beat you. The, the good news for Mississippi State and obviously Ole Miss, and I heard you talking about this, the crowd's going to make a difference. Obviously, Mississippi State did not finish the way they wanted to finish. They did not look mm-hmm. good in Hoover. I don't think anybody expected to see what we saw in Hoover from Mississippi State, as consistent as they've been all year long. But sometimes when you go home, you can get healthy. When you get that crowd behind you like that, 
that's all that really matters, and they can carry you to a victory. And, look, Ole Miss is the same way. I love the folks in Ole Miss and the crowds that they have there. Mike Bianco's done a wonderful job there, you know, over the years of building that program to where it is today. And it's a national powerhouse is what it is along Mississippi State. And so they're going to feed – the home teams are going to feed off their, their crowds. And I think Ole Miss got a pretty tough draw. I mean, you look at all the regions around, man, you look at that Oxford region, you go, whoa, that one there could be the toughest one on paper out of any of them. Because you know about Southern Miss, Florida State's always in the mix as well. They can beat you. I don't know that much about Southeast Missouri State, but look, if you're in the NCAA tournament, you're there for a reason, and you can win ball games. For sure. Ben McDonald on your radio uh, right now. Back to that finish of the season for State. You, you use the word surprising. I think that certainly applies. But just the overall finish, Ben, um, you know, losing a series at home to Missouri, then they finished by going on the road, sweeping Alabama, a tournament team. So you had this sort of up and down at the end of the year. And then the two and Q at the SEC tournament. If you were a diehard state fan, would you be concerned with that trend heading into this postseason? Well, I would be a little bit concerned because the only thing that concerned me about the SEC tournament was the strength of Mississippi State we all know all year long has been the pitching, the depth of the pitching and how good they have been. To get 10-run rules like they did or whatever it was and give up a lot of runs, that was the surprising thing about it. When I went into the season, I looked at Mississippi State and I go, okay, they got some veteran dudes. The top part of that lineup is going to be really good with Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan and the boys. That's going to be good. The question I had about Mississippi State was, okay, are they going to have a consistent lineup and be able to score and put pressure on you one through nine? I think if there's a weak spot for State, and I think all year long it has been the ability to score runs. Uh, the bottom part of that lineup at time has been really good, but other times it's kind of gone away. And when we look down the lineup at the really good lineups in the country, we talk about maybe Arkansas lineup. We see Vanderbilt's lineup. They can pressure you, Tennessee. They can pressure you up one through nine. And I think like a lot of schools, Mississippi State's not any different than like an LSU or some of the other schools out there that, man, the first four or five are pretty daggum good. But then they need some guys to show up in the bottom part of that lineup. And so I still think the strength of Mississippi State is no doubt it's their pitching, it's their depth of pitching. It should keep them in ball games. The question I have is when they run up against a real dude, are they going to be able to score some runs? I think they can. Again, at home is going to make all the difference. But that's the question for me with Mississippi State. You know, when I talk about Ole Miss, you just go, wow. I mean, the injuries that they've had, the way they've mm-hmm. been able to come back through it, the losses they've had. I mean, look, when you, I had Tim Elko as my SEC player of the year before the season even started. I thought he was that good. And you lose a guy like that, I'm not saying he's lost because he's still trying to play. He's still better than most on, on one <laughs> knee. You know what I mean? Like he, is still, he really is better than most on one knee. But you wonder if that kid would have stayed healthy, where would this offense be? You wonder if Hoagland was still there. Where would this pitching staff be? Now, look, they had some real dudes step up in the FCC tournament. Mike Bianco's kind of got a history of getting his team playing good there toward the end. They had a really strong finish uh, to the regular season and, and knocked off Vanderbilt and Georgia toward the end and made that good run in the SEC tournament. So I feel like Ole Miss is playing kind of its best baseball all year long. Some arms have come up and, and performed well in the SEC tournament. That offense, look, it just keeps on to come. It's one of the best offenses in the entire country. For sure. You know, and they, in, in Hoover, they got that great outing from McDaniels. And then I know that it was a game that was close. They wound up getting eliminated to Vandy, but the start they got from Tyler Myers, who's kind of their number four. I, Ben, I wonder how you feel. I felt like, you know, even though they didn't win the tournament, they got some starts from some other guys not named in Nikhazy 
that probably gave their team a lot of confidence coming out of there. No, no doubt about it. And, you know, kind of the question mark, as we said, for Mississippi State was going to be, could they score runs? The question for Ole Miss when, when Hoagland went down was, okay, who's going to pitch now? Who, besides mm-hmm. the Casey, who's going to be their guy, right? And to see McDaniel step up and do what he did, and you see Meyer step up, and really throw the ball well, I think that puts to bed a lot of the questions you had against Ole Miss. So certainly their pitching staff feels really good about going in uh, you know, to a regional tournament. Sure. Ben McDonald on your radio right now. Ben, uh, we have an avid listener who's a big Mississippi State fan who happens to live in Baltimore, Maryland. So he's also wow. an or- he's also an Orioles fan, and he texted us on the Country Pleasing Sausage text line, and he's got a question here. He, he's he's referencing how you know a lot of people say, hey, look, all these teams have kids throwing ninety five now. When back in the day, if you were hitting ninety, you were special. And so he had a question for you, just to get your opinion. He says, are these kids relying on the fastball too much and not developing other pitches and learning how to get batters out? Like I guess he's asking too much emphasis on that ninety five velocity these days. What do you think? Oh, there's no doubt. When you talk about it at the college game, the guys that still have a lot of success are the guys that can go out and, and, and pitch, you know. And I think we've, we've got some throwers out there and we have pitchers out there. Looks like we got some swingers out there and we got hitters out there. Yeah. Um, and I can get off in the weeds of this stuff really deep, but the guy that can still go out and change speeds, the guy that can command his fastball, change speeds a little bit, locate his stuff, is still the guy at the collegiate level that has a lot of success. And you can go around the SEC, Landon Marceau from LSU, McLeod. You know, you talk about Doug McKaysey. I mean, these guys can really command their stuff, and that's why they're number one where they are. But I do feel like that we have a lot of emphasis on velocity right now. And velocity can be a good thing if you can control your velocity. But we see it all the time now. Guys are throwing 94 and 95, and when the count's 2-0 and you leave it down the middle of the plate, it gets turned around pretty quickly. And we're seeing even higher velocities at the MLB level in plus counts and get turned around. So velocity's not the end all, you know. And the game's in a funny place right now, as you know. It's in a real funny place where strikeouts are okay. It used to be embarrassing to strike out at the big league level. It's not anymore. We're going to set a record in strikeouts. The swings in baseball have gotten crazy where it's a lot of get the ball in the air, let's get it in the air, get it in the air. It's led to a lot of uppercut swings, and it's led to a lot of strikeouts. And, you know, doing the Oriole games that I do, I had the research people go back and look, and I went back 25 years ago. The average big league hitter hit 277 25 years ago in the big leagues. The average big league hitter in today's game has hit 237. So it's a 40-point swing. And, yes, I would agree. Pitchers are ahead of hitters right now, but they're not 40 points ahead of hitters right now. Hitters yeah. have to get back to a flatter swing, putting balls in play a little bit more than what we have right now. So the game's in a real funny place. If you like home runs and strikeouts, the game's for you. Uh, everything else has kind of gone away in some regards. The college game always mirrors the pro game in some ways, and we see a lot of strikeouts now in the college game because you realize that you can get the ball in the air and you can hit home runs again, and that's great. But the teams, to me, that can do both, have the power guys, but you can bunt a little bit, you can hit and run a little bit, you can steal some bases here and there, or the guys I think are going to have success and make deep runs in the postseason. Ben McDonald on your radio. Uh, ben, you are a star at LSU and throwing it across the plate, and the guy back there giving you the signals is Mike Bianco. And uh, he he stuck around in this game of baseball for a little while, you know, and that's an yeah. an, under, an understatement. Um, what what was Mike like as a player, and as a catcher intense. behind the plate? He was intense. 
And that's why I loved him. And I still love him today. He's a good friend of mine. And he, he's as good as dude as there is, you know. And I know the Mississippi State people don't like to hear me say that, but Mike Diego is a good dude. And he was a guy that you wanted. If you had to climb in a foxhole and get back-to-back with somebody, that's who you want to have your back. There's no doubt about that. And, and, and playing with Mike, I knew that he would manage one day. He was going to be a skipper one day because that was just his thing. He loved the game like we all did, but he knew it from so many different angles. And he picked Coach Burton's brain daily, you know, and Smoke Laval and Randy Davis and all the guys that we had back then. And so I'm not shocked that Mike's having the success he is. He's a go-getter. He always has been a go-getter. Uh, he's an intense guy. And I love that about him. That's why I love the pitch. I tell people all the time I threw to a lot of catchers in my career, but Mike Bianco is still my favorite guy to ever throw to. Ben, didn't you tell me uh, one time he was the kind of guy who had so much confidence in you. Didn't he go out and, and tell an opponent one time in New Orleans that they weren't getting a hit? Didn't he just go right out and say it? <laughs> well, I won't get too far in the story, but the bottom line is Mike ran into Oklahoma State um, – uh, the night before we were going to play them. And mm-hmm. he basically told them that they were going to get 95 shoved all over them tomorrow. And I didn't know anything <laughs> about it. And they were the number one team in the country at the time. And so he, Mike always came down and taught me the last 15 or 20 pitches in warm-ups. And we were facing Okie State, the Superdome, and that, the Superdome Classic we used to have. And he came down and caught me. We always walk up to the dugout together right before the game. And we got about halfway there, and he kind of taps me on the rear end and, and jogs off and goes, Oh, by the way, I told Oklahoma State that they were you, they were going to see 95 and it's going to get shoved up their rear end all day long. So good luck. Good luck, and he ran off, you know. <laughs> and so he put some pressure on me right away, but I think we shut him out, and I struck out like 14, and we beat him, their number one team in the country. So it all worked out. But that's the kind of guy he was. Like, he was a in-your-face kind of guy. Wasn't going to back down from nobody, and that's what I loved about him. <laughs> well, and it's kind of like, I guess, what they say about talking smack. It's okay if you can back it up, right? I mean, that's an example exactly. of backing it up, I guess. <laughs> well, I love, I love, but there's a difference between a little swagger, you know, and Mike had swagger, you know, and we all did. We just believed that we would win. I think that's a lot in college ball, you know. Over the yeah. course of 162 games, it's hard to have that. But in a shorter season, you can have a lot of confidence and swagger. And these kids, these veteran teams that you see out there that have these fifth-year seniors and guys that's been around their programs for a long time, these guys have some swagger. Ole Miss has got it. Mississippi, Tanner Allen's got it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's a mm-hmm. dude. I mean, both of these teams are a bunch of kids to me. When I look at Ole Miss and I look at Mississippi State, I see a bunch of kids that grew up drinking out of a water hose. That's what kind of kids they are. You know, they're just tough, gritty, in-your-face kind of dudes that ain't going to fail. You know, and that's why they're so much fun to watch. For sure. Ben, a couple of minutes left, uh, real quick. It, it, it almost seems too easy to pick Arkansas, but I still, it, it's like there's been a time this year, at least in the SEC, where you could just sort of feel it's like everybody playing for second place. Are, are they m- that much better than everybody else? Or do, um, have they just got that little extra figure out a way to win that you're talking about? You know, I, I keep looking at Arkansas throughout the year, and I keep going, is this team this good? When are they going to lose? When are they going to lose something? And you just keep on winning. And mm-hmm. at first, I wasn't a believer. Then they go into Mississippi State, and State was playing well, and they beat Mississippi. They swept them. You know? Then they go into Oxford when Ole Miss was playing well, and, and they beat Ole Miss. And at that point, I went, wait a minute now. You go into Mississippi State, you go into Oxford, and you win series like they did. This team's for real. I mean, I kept watching them. And the lineup they have, that lineup just keeps on coming. One, we saw Jalen Battles who hits down the bottom part of that lineup. 
uh, really shine. I think he won the SEC Most Valuable Player. Uh, he has some big hits. But what's different about Arkansas this year is this. Arkansas has never been a great defensive club, but this year they are. Like, they're catching the ball this year. I think they're right at the top, if not number one in the SEC when it comes to fielding percentage. That's different about them. Uh, the starters have kind of been in and out. Wicklander, all of them kind of been in and out of the rotation all year long, but they got some dudes. And then when you get to Kevin Cox back in, like, I don't know that we've seen a reliever like this in college baseball in a long time. Like, when he comes in, it's like it's over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, and yeah. it's not just for, it's not for three outs. It's like for three innings. And then he'll take mm-hmm. a day off. He'll come back for three more innings. And so he's got those breaking balls. He throws pretty much 90% breaking balls, but it's a different kind of breaking ball. It has a different break to it. And, 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 and you see the reaction from the hitters. And so that's what's so scary about Arkansas is that when they take the lead late to a ball game, it's like with Kevin Cotton. When have we seen a reliever have, 10 saves and 10 wins or something in a year. It's been a long time, you know, and he's really good. So I think Arkansas is for real. If you go to this conference and you win every SEC weekend with the schedule they play, it says something about Arkansas. No doubt about it. Ben, a real treat, man. It's great to talk baseball with you. Can't wait to listen and watch this weekend. Thank you so much. Anytime. Take care.